Hello there. Happy Friday. It's Chappy, your British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. It's episode 106. 106 is the uh, episode number today. And uh, it's a lovely, sultry Friday here in uh, in Colorado. Uh, I feel like I'm a smoke kipper, though. There's smoke coming from everywhere. If this isn't an uh, indication of the climate change all around the world, floods in Germany, smoke uh, in US, heat wave in July in the UK. I oh, mean, that's unprecedented, isn't it, really? But yes, I feel a little bit smoked like a kipper. Um, and, uh, you know, sweaty. At least I don't have to have the uh, the fan on today. It's my emotional support fan. Not a fan of the show, but the fan likes blowing in the background to stop the beads of sweat dripping down into the microphone. That's what I use. Uh, that's what I really use the fan for. It's for you, the listener. It's for you to enjoy the uh, listening experience, to make it more pleasurable. So droplets of water aren't cascading and maybe electrocuting your dear host. But that would be awful. Now, there's boxes everywhere. Chappie Towers is being packed up, boxed up. Uh, we're downsizing uh, the whole uh, oppo over here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm getting my feet uh, stuck in boxes. So that's one problem. Uh, plus, I'm getting rid of, you know, some of the incredibly valuable uh, antiques and uh, just sheer junk here at Chappie Towers. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm basically like the Chinese boat. I'm a junket. And um, I'm a hoarder. I, I need to get those uh, hoarders of whores or whore hoarders or whatever they're called in to, uh, to try to help me with my, my, my mess, my clutter. I think it's a medical condition, just collecting everything. Thinking that an iPhone box with nothing in it will come in useful one day. I mean, that's the sort of problem that I have. Uh, or yeah, collecting of boxes is one thing. Wires. I've got a wire that's tied up since I bought it, and it's just sitting here in a box in front of me. Golf scorecards, old calendars. I mean, I have a serious problem here, and I, I, I don't think there's any medicine you can take for it. Um, I think you probably have to maybe have an early happy hour at the weekend and start packing things away just to dull the pain of losing some of the trinkets that you think are worthwhile that nobody else does or you get somebody to blindfold you and do the whole bloody job for you because that's uh, that that may be the that may be the way forward in terms of uh, fixing your mental issues when you see oh my gosh that's a uh, radio times magazine from 1985 the christmas edition it's being thrown away all the newspaper from the day you were born that's yellow dog-eared but i want to keep it i mean that's that's a problem i mean i I do worry that uh i do worry that all the newspapers all the things that i've collected over the years could be like a tinderbox a serious uh, serious issue uh and a fire hazard you know i don't want those um six-pack laden fire brigade boys uh, to have to come around and save Chappy Towers. I mean, that would be uh, that would be awful. First of all, you know, if it's in the middle of the night and I don't have any clothes on, and they come in with their bristling six packs, and uh, I've got uh, basically a free flab pack, that could be quite embarrassing. You know, I don't want that. 
not that <laughs> looking at the uh, picture. So I, I took a video this morning of me making naan bread. And we're going to be talking about the wonders of naan bread later. Uh, but I put it up, you know, just to show everybody. I think it's a great start to the weekend. But uh, yeah, I put it up on the uh, on Instagram stories. And I thought, oh my God, not only am I covered in flour, but the, uh, the belly's hanging over. The non-beer belly, because I don't really drink beer very much. It's probably more like a, uh, a, a non-bread belly, I would say. So the AILs uh, are going mad. These are the elves that are in your computer, in your phone, in your tablet, whatever you have. Maybe, I don't know if they're in a Nokia flip phone, though. They might be, um, but they're watching you constantly. They're observing you. They're voyeurs. They're peeping toms. All of the arrest. Um, but anyway, I had the AILs. They, they completely, they must have had a magnet put next to them. Or they could be drunk on uh, seasonal apple cider. But they, they, they wanted to try to sell me a tactical knife. Now, the most uh, probably scary weapon that I have in my pantry because that's where I keep any of the weapons. Okay, the knives are there. But I think the rolling pin, you know, a heavy old-fashioned, maybe Victorian rolling pin is, uh, is, my, is my weapon of choice. You know, forget the Swiss Army knife. I don't even know how to open that up. I think my nails are trimmed so, so short that I, I cannot open the knives on there. The, if, you know, if I ever had some sort of attacker come to me, uh, try to break into Chappie Towers, then, uh, yeah, the Swiss Army knife wouldn't work. Um... Yeah, the, the dusty muskets are, are, are locked away, and I don't know which end to put the bullets in. Uh, and then uh, the rolling pin would be my weapon of choice. But I swing that round like some sort of kitchen ninja. Uh, that, you know, that's much, uh, that's much, that, that's what a butler uses, you know. If you make the appropriate noises, you know, and um, swing the, the, the rolling pin round your head. Uh, like you uh, you know, in the gold rush trying to lasso a longhorn cow or something. That's uh, that's my uh, weapon of choice. Uh, the Commonwealth Garden rolling pin. Probably with some flour in it. Probably non-bread flour, I would say, uh, today. Uh, but they're trying to sell me a tactical knife. So they're completely barking up the wrong tree. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're barking uh, probably up, up a cactus. You know, the, the body of a cactus. Where I'm an English oak, and English oaks probably do not want tactical knives. Now, a, a sushi knife, or a, a, a knife where I can cut up the, the meat to make a delicious uh, uh, beef bourguignon, now that's the, a different matter. That's the sort of knife that I might want to use. Um, but anything, you know, like a tactical knife where you have to, you're filleting a crocodile or something, yeah, not really my, uh, not really my scene. So the AIL Zero chappy one uh, in the in the in the game of uh, ai uh, social dilemma football that we're playing today so on the show today uh something special that i put on mosquito bites and i think it really works uh, also microchips in the vaccine we're gonna be talking about that the restorative elements of naan bread uh we'll be looking at that and uh, probably the uh, probably the history of naan bread too and also the marvel that is clarkson farm Clarkson's Farm on Amazon. A wonderful piece of television. You wouldn't expect it. You know, I, I was doubtful about uh, Clarkson. I mean, I like uh, Jeremy Clarkson. 
Uh, I find him interesting. He's a character. I don't know if I like him, but he's a character. So he's an interesting uh, chap to watch on uh, on television. You know, whether it's Top Gear, Grand Tour, or um, all this, the Clarkson's, Clarkson's Farm. But this is his best piece of television yet. We'll be talking about that later. Uh, also, the new location of Chappie Towers. We had a little bit of a hiccup, and it wasn't due to the amount of uh, bread and sausages I ate this week. Um, also, uh, garage sales. An idea about a garage sale. Something I'm, I may try. Uh, also, an American food item that I don't get. Uh, I also was pinged by, not, not the NHS app, but I was pinged earlier this week. Um, the secret to moving heavy items. You know, a visitor to my house that was taking some of uh, the uh, faux Queen Anne furniture um, gave me some tips on how to move heavy furniture. Um, also, understanding the Norfolk accent in the lesson. This, this really came to me from listening to Gerald on Clarkson's Farm. Uh, and I think we may be having that tomorrow, uh, where we have a, an education in learning the Norfolk accent, far east of the UK. There's a very, very strong regional accent, um, which is uh, you know, quite interesting and uh, very difficult to uh, translate uh, or understand. Uh, also, the key to stop temptation. I mean, there's a thread running through the show here, which is often a food thread and nonsense. So the whole show's thread together. Uh, some would say threadbare, uh, with nonsense and food. And uh, also the mystery of a, a bottle of booze that I found halfway down the riverbank. Just hazarding a guess what it could be. Uh, we have uh, you know, some uh, elements that uh, give you hope and, uh, and really boost a pep for the, uh, for the weekend ahead. Uh, as always, we try to be inspirational here and keep calling cauliflower cheese. Sometimes we get our feet stuck in the cement, though. Uh, also, painters, uh, cleaners wipe smiles off their faces. North America's highest uh, via Ferrata opens in the Arapaho Basin. Pilot arrested after drug drop hits the wrong house. American swimming pool owners in clamor for chlorine. Uh, girls bowled over by cricket, not rounders. Uh, also, uh, how we get over the cad dating all of us at once. Buy a bus and hit the road. Um, the, these are stories that I've seen in the week here. Uh, team tidy or clutter core. Well, we know I'm a clutter core or clutter whore, whatever you want to say. Uh, until proven safe by uh, Jeff Mano. Uh, we have uh, a whole history, a little book that I saw that's very interesting, topical. The uh, From the Black Death to COVID-19. Trumple trombones coming along the way and eccentric English habits on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Oh, hunk on. So painting cleaners wipe smile off her face. The painting of a vegetable cellar in the cupboard at the 17th century Audley End mansion had always fascinated its staff as they peered through the darkened layers of varnish. But there are a few surprises in store once they began to clean the artwork after its 60-year wait in storage. It took two centuries older than thought. 30 centimeters chunk of canvas had been added to make it fit a square frame. It could be by a Flemish master or somebody who put a smile in the face of the vegetable seller. We have wiped the smile off her face, I'm afraid. Alice Tate Hart of English Heritage Collection Conservator. And as the restored work was put on display in the country house in Essex, there's a wonderful painting restored to its former glory. Further research is needed, but the painting uh, previously dated to the uh, 18th century is now thought to have emerged from the 16th century studio of Joachim Buckler, a Flemish master with works in the National Gallery. Tate Hart 
said there's been a hunch that there's something very good underneath. The heavily overpainted and varnished canvas, we did a little cleaning test on the site and then we got very excited because we knew how good the colors were underneath. Further removal of the varnish and paint layers then revealed the artist's uh, original intention. The difference between the two became glaringly obvious. Infrared analysis of the underdrawing and underpainting shows similarities to the technique which Berkler believed to have been the most renowned Flemish still life artist of the day. Uh, Tart Hart, uh, or Tate Hart, <laughs> said a strip of the canvas had at some point been added to make the original rectangular painting into a square. They had a nice square frame and these were considered decorative part of the room. They did not have strong cons conservation ethics that we had today. But the previous smile disappeared to reveal a more enigmatic expression, said Tate Hart. She's quite challenging. She stares directly at you. It's possibly that it was uh, the behest of the owner, but who knows? It's nice to speculate, though. So, I mean, I think if I ever scrape paint or varnish off any of my paintings, uh, I would probably find uh, medieval or Tudor potato prints underneath. It wouldn't be worth a, it wouldn't be worth a jot, basically. You know, or maybe handprints, thumbprints, nose prints. But I've always wondered, you know, if I if I put maybe a brush on the end of my snout, if I could create some rather delightful modern art. You know, gentle brush strokes. There's a lot of sensitivity to the snout, so you can really get into, uh, you know, doing an absolutely delicate uh, little watercolor or something along that with with a few bristles on the end of the snout, or maybe my nostril hair coming out could be another way you know if i get the nostril hair close enough to the uh, to the canvas i could do some uh, marvelous uh, marvelous sort of uh, modern or neo-modern butler art potentially uh but i also feel like uh it's like it's, it's almost like uh you know in the morning before i put any makeup on like i put makeup powder and paint on you know once you scrape the makeup off uh, it really is a uh, a child's uh, print underneath, or uh, or as I said, the common or garden potato prints. Uh, once you scrape all the makeup uh, off somebody, it's a, it's a natural beauty that lies underneath. Have you ever become supper for mosquitoes at dusk? I I've really become like a late supper. Well, maybe around when, when supper time? Would you say eight o'clock? Well, eight o'clock or uh, or nine o'clock. Uh, is probably the time that the mosquitoes, uh, mosquitoes like to come out and uh, consume one's legs, arms, bottoms, wherever they can slip their little uh, pincers and their teeth into. You know, which can, you know, if you're wearing a Daisy Duke shorts, a um, mosquito can creep up the leg and uh, can, uh, can pinch you and bite you on the bottom. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's also, it's maybe the, in the middle of the back is a place where, you really need a back scratcher or uh, or one of those wooden spoons uh, or wooden forks actually with the prongs where you can reach that you know you can just get sit down there and give it a good old scratch you know but uh, it is absolutely awful so what what helps it now common or garden germline uh, which you know i use for basically anything sore tooth sore nose uh, pimples burns uh you know try to pop it on some gray hairs as well see if that works uh you know any uh, earwax issues boils anything you the germaline is a, is a master a master stroke i mean it was made i would say when alchemists made gold they also made germaline 
that's what I think. It's a magical, a magical, uh, uh, a magical waspish type of uh, numbs the pain. Uh, if you've got that soreness, it's a wonder, a wondrous uh, uh, elixir ingredient, uh, medicinal masterpiece, I would say. But it doesn't work on on mosquito bites, I don't think. Not for me. I mean, it helps get rid of the poison, I suppose. Um, but it doesn't help the itch. Hydrocortisone, somewhat. Although I believe that uh, our good friends, the uh, pharmacists and the chemists, are uh, like the butcher putting the hand on the scales, making the price of sausages go up. They're doing the same for hydrocortisone. Uh, and uh, the prices are really uh, climbing when it comes to hydrocortisone. So uh, natural remedies. I'm, you know, Champy's always about the natural remedies. Uh, and, he, and he just loves the, uh, I love the turmeric turmeric love the apple cider vinegar you can rub that anywhere i mean that can take paint off a car but it doesn't dissolve your intestine well don't think it does anyway but here's the thing take a slightly warm tea bag so you can be sipping a cup of tea and uh, get a slightly warm tea bag uh to uh aid in the mosquito itch you need to place the tea bags where the itch is the warm tea bag I mean, it, it, it solves the bag and the eye issue as well. But a warm tea bag on a, a very itchy mosquito bite seems to uh, draw out the itch. Now, you do need a partner in crime. You need, a, you need an accomplice in this. Because if you do have bites, you know, on the lower part, you know, on the tailbone, lower part of the back that you can't reach, you need somebody to tea bag for you. So you need to, somebody to lower the warm tea bag onto the bites of the you know whether it's above the butt crack uh, ass crack uh, whether it's in the small of the back basically the parts that you cannot reach and we're not, not talking heineken here uh but a warm tea bag sol- solves the itch so if you've got an itchy back with bite that you can't reach get your accomplice your partner your tea bagging partner to place the tea bag lower it onto the bite and all your problems will be solved it's uh once bitten, twice shine, and relief. I heard two wonderful things uh, in the week, or read two wonderful things on Instagram. Uh, not a huge fan of social media, but use it to promote the show. But this is wonderful. So all of you out there, not myself, but all of you out there, singletons, uh, this, was, this was a very uh, interesting piece. And it really sort of hit home to what people are looking at and when it comes to uh, when it comes to relationships, um, it was it was quite philosophical. So people think they're competing with other suitors when dating me. This is what the lady said. But really, I'm comparing you to my own solitude. That's the competition. Is your company better than being alone? Am I growing around you like I do when I'm alone? Do I feel safe? Is there joy? Is there peace? And this was a, another very philosophical, sort of heartwarming, and uh, one gives one a little bit of hope here. Laugh like you're 10, party like you're 20, travel like you're 30, think like you're 40, advise like you're 50, care like you're 60, love like you're 70. So they're really helping me. The AILs have hit again. During the course of this podcast, they're listening to the recording. And they sent me the best zapper I've ever found. So I had mosquito issues a little bit earlier in the episode, uh, or over the last couple of weeks, actually. And they sent me uh, the secret. 
it's something that you can hang around your neck or hang, I mean, probably above a window or something if you're in bed. And the secret is luring them with a special lavender light. And it's a lavender light, uh, it's cylindrical, uh, with lavender lights, neon lights. It's almost like you're back uh, partying in the 1980s, listening to your soft cell. And uh, the the secret is luring them with a special lavender light. And I think they move to the light and are electrocuted. Now, I'm wondering, could you hang this around your neck on one of those dusk walks? I mean, it could light your way as the sun goes down. But uh, would you... uh, would you feel a rush of electricity uh, go through all parts of your body? That's the worry. I don't mind uh, exterminating the uh, pesky mosquitoes, but I don't want to be electrocuted on my dog walk in the evening. But you know what? The itchy mosquito, the lavender light, uh, could be the way forward. I could have possibly seen the light. A pilot has been arrested after a drug drop hits the wrong house. The pilot of a small Cessna plane has been accused of being a drug courier, attempting the airdrop of a large cocaine consignment only to miss and drop it on the wrong house. Uh, Francisco Rizzo, 28, a Rome-based flight instructor, allegedly released the 8.5 package of pure cocaine worth 9 million uh, euros while swooping low over the small town of uh, Barilita San Pietro in Sardinia in March. The uh, occupants of a house were shocked when a black bag containing the powder hit their roof, smashing a solar panel. Uh, They uh, called the police and the package was relieved, presumably as the intended, so far unidentified recipients lurked nearby, fuming at the loss of their valuable shipment. Investigators identified Rizzo's plane. He should be called Rizzler. That would be fantastic. Maybe for smoking, well, you put it in a crack pipe, I guess. But, uh, you know, maybe on his... uh, on the off days, when his days off, maybe rolls up the Rizzlers. Uh, by checking the GPS records and discovered that they had taken off from Rome before refueling at Santa Severa, the coastal town opposite the uh, island of, Sardin- of Sardinia, uh, before traveling to its destination. The technique recalled by the airdrops of drugs made by Barry Seal, a US pilot who worked for the Medallion Cartel in the 1980s and was portrayed by Tom Cruise in American Made. Rizzo was arrested at Cagliari Airport. He has no criminal record and police are trying to identify who supplied the shipment. It makes me wonder if, you, you know, there's a load of Sardinians up on a roof, uh, sniffing the roof, or snorting the roof. I mean, you know, if you, have a, if you have a big honker and a powerful snort, if you're trying to get the white stuff off the roof, I mean, if, if my honker was up there, I mean, I might, might remove the whole roof of tiles, I think. American swimming pool owners in clamor for chlorine It may be the best example yet of a first world problem, but Americans are struggling to get back their swimming pools because of a shortage of chlorine. The US has felt dwindling supplies of the chemicals since last August when Hurricane Laura all but destroyed the factory in Louisiana. The impact is only just being felt this summer as it gets into full swing. The coronavirus restrictions of last year's ebb away and the temperature rises. The operators of municipal pools, which are often used for swimming lessons, have complained that their children especially are missing out and have blamed private pool owners for monopolizing supplies. It's a fairness issue, Torrance Thomas, who runs a tank-proof swim safety charity. You can't have pools without chlorine and all the supplies are going to private pools. But also, I mean, aren't all the Trump supporters, all those MAGA hat-wearing buffoons, um, injecting chlorine or maybe going into pool 
and with their big old rotund bellies drinking all the chlorine out of the pool just to get rid of the coronavirus doesn't that is you know injecting bleach and drinking chlorine isn't that the way of uh, of curing all coronavirus ills Well, I don't know if 500 grams, but maybe four and a half cups worth of, uh, of, of flour is what you need uh, to make the most delicious, fluffy sensation ever, naan bread. So I'm, uh, I'm making a nice, uh, wonderful curry meal today. Uh, I'm actually uh, making a chicken biryani, or it's a butter chicken biryani tonight for, uh, for dinner. And it looks absolutely lovely. I mean, I've made it a couple of times before. And if, if you haven't checked out this marvelous Indian chef, it's uh, Chetna Macken. She's an English Indian chef uh, based in the UK called Chetna Macken, M-A-K-A-N. And she's just got a new book out, which I think 30-minute recipes. And I think it's getting some coverage in the US as well. But it's a beautiful butter chicken biryani. Make the sauce, marinate the chicken, which I think is the key. Um, and uh, then you make the naan bread uh, as well. Uh, but the naan bread is an absolute wonder. I mean, I love naan bread. And I'll be talking a little bit later in the podcast how it cured uh, the hunger, hunger pangs that I had early in the week when I wanted to order a huge Indian meal. Um, but anyway, we'll talk about that in just a bit. But the restorative elements of naan bread, fluffy, warm, buttery, uh, are amazing. So basically, you know, I was mixing up the recipe this morning. And all you, all you really need to make this naan bread, uh, and I've made this over the years many, many times, is uh, you need a packet of yeast, you need four and a half uh, cups of flour, warm water, cup of warm water, a little bit of sugar, three tablespoons of milk, egg beaten, salt. Uh, then you can have garlic and then butter for the end. Uh, but you put the put the yeast into the warm water, leave it for about ten minutes so it's frothy, uh, and then you mix in the four and a half cups of flour, a little bit of sugar, milk, egg, uh, salt. Uh, and then, I mean, I used a wooden spoon because my hands are so hot. I got hot hands. And they're so hot, they're so steamy, all of the dough gets stuck to my hands. And it gets stuck everywhere. I'm going to find dough in my, hair, in my magnum hairy chest for probably the next millennia. And it gets in places you don't expect. Oh, there's a piece of dough. That's rather surprising. I don't think I could even reach that part. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I have dough all over my mosquito bites. It's possible. And that could be another cure. Who knows? The yeast in the dough could, could help mosquito bites. Um, but anyway, so you knead this together for 10 minutes, floured surface. Uh, try to cool your hands off though so it doesn't stick. Uh, because I was scraping it off with a blunt butter knife, uh, the bits of, uh, bits of dough. And I was uh, kneading it. I mean, it's quite a workout. I mean, if I, if I got onto like a Travelator uh, or, or a hands-free rowing machine, if that's even possible, and uh, I could knead dough at the same time, that is an extra workout. I mean, you could be doing your step aerobics whilst kneading dough. Uh, you could be on a running machine with a, with, a, with a cutting board in front of you, 
kneading the dough. And it gives you that extra sort of aerobic workout. You know, when you're pressing flour down, and, and that's the thing. I mean, when you go to do a workout, I'm very reluctant to do any sort of exercise. I like a walk, but reluctant in other ways. But if you've got the beautiful, fluffy, doughy, a little bit of crisp on there, bubbly naan bread at the end. I mean, I would need, I would need dough for three hours and run for three hours if I could eat the naan bread at the end. But that's how you make naan bread. And it has restorative qualities with a little bit of butter, a little bit of garlic maybe drizzled over it as well, chopped up and put on. And, uh, you know, the fluffiness, it's great for scraping up the, uh, the curry at the end. I mean, it's got quite, a, quite an interesting uh, history to it as well. And uh, we'll be uh, looking at the history of the naan coming up soon. So naan bread history and facts. So here are some of the interesting facts about this bread we like to bake and so many love to eat. I mean, I see naan bread, it's almost like Yorkshire pudding. So you present it to somebody, they have one piece, and that's quite good. And then they're addicted and they have to eat more. You can never have one piece of naan, unless you're incredibly disciplined. There's something enriching about knowing uh, where food hails from, I think. Where traditions are and how long it's been around. So it's first recorded in 1300 AD by the Indo-Persian poet Amir Kushra. In 1926, Vishwami, Britain's oldest Indian restaurant, served naan on its menu. During the uh, Mughal era in India around 1526, naan accompanied by keema or kabob, so that's the lamb dishes, was a popular breakfast dish by the royals. In 1984, Honeytop Specialty Foods became the first company in Europe to supply authentic naan bread on a commercial scale. They introduced the first 13-week shelf-like flatbread. Naan is derived from the Persian word non, which refers to bread. It initially appeared in the English literature dating back to 1780 in a travelogue by William Took. In Turkish languages such as Uzbek, Kazkar and Yukar, the flatbreads are known as naan. They consist of dry yeast, all-purpose flour, warm water, sugar, salt, ghee, Indian butter and yogurt. Naan is traditionally cooked in a tandoor or clay oven. Now try it today. If you haven't tried naan bread, you need to try it. You need to make it. Just search on all recipes. That's the one I use, and it's a phenomenal recipe, believe it or not. Might be a little bit Americanized, but it's pretty good. But I don't have a clay oven. So I wonder, as we search on eBay, I want to get myself a clay oven. How readily available are the clay ovens? So let's have a look here. Uh, well, I think it's a, we have a craft clay oven here. I wonder if you, you know, if you're making modeling clay, if you could put your bread in there as well. I mean, is that even possible? So no luck on, uh, no luck on eBay. So let's try, uh, Bezosville and have a look here. I don't think, I mean, you can't. You can't, I don't think you can buy, you can't buy an Indian clay oven in your normal places. I mean, where can you get it from? Is there a monopoly on, uh, on clay ovens? I don't, I don't think it's possible to find. No, well, we've got a gas oven tandoor 
by uh, Master Chef Sanjeev Kapoor. I mean, would that uh, would that work here? You have a clay cooking pot as well. So I don't think it's in, I don't think it's possible to buy a clay oven. I mean, I couldn't get it on Amazon Prime in a day. Let me put it that way. Yeah, it's just pointing me towards craft. So I don't really want to uh, buy clay molding and uh, put my bread in there. Ooh, I can buy a home tandoor for $899 off puritandoors.com. There we go. So uh, I can buy my own tandoor uh, where I can put the naan bread, stick it to the side, and have delicious fluffy naan bread. But you know what? I might just stick to the griddle. So I want to talk a little bit about the marvelous show on Amazon, Amazon Prime video, Clarkson's Farm. Jeremy Clarkson, famous for Top Gear, the Grand Tour with James May, Hammond. But this show is very different. I mean, you tune into a Clarkson show you know, expecting big engines, a lot of testosterone, very macho, sort of manly uh, setup. So there's a bit of that. I mean, he he buys a Lamborghini tractor that's too big for his barn. But you know what? This is the best show that Clarkson's ever done. First of all, he knows nothing about farming. So it puts you in the spot, if you're like me, you grew up in the countryside, but you know very little about farming. Uh, is lucky if you know one spade, the end of a spade or shovel or fork from another. And he's a little bit in the same uh, situation. I mean, I, I think I knew some of the farm implements and some of the farm uh, machinery better than he did. But it's, it's quite a tender show. And it's the host of characters that make the show. From Gerald, who you cannot understand. He is a very strong Cotswoldian uh, type of Oxfordshire accent. Rural you cannot understand and it's hilarious and then you've got this young buck caleb who knows everything has a beautifully coiffured hair for a farmer that he has to tie up now and again and this cast of characters along with his wife lisa miserable simon uh, his sort of a land agent all of these characters make up a marvelous warm show and you see a more emotional sentimental side to clarkson that you haven't seen before it is a beautiful show and it's shot in the Cotswolds. Uh, think the holiday. Think the rolling Cotswolds hills. It is a beautiful watch. And it's quite emotional. I mean, it, it, and at the end of the eight episodes, you wish there were more. And luckily there is. There's a second series being made. Bezos did give Clarkson the second series. But if you're looking for a feel-good, warm, tender, very humorous at times... A little bit of, you know, the Clarkson sort of BS nonsense thrown in as well. But it shows a softer side to him, which is quite interesting. And uh, it really means a lot to him. The farm, the people who uh, he, he manages around the farm as well mean a lot to him. And it's a warm, very loving, beautiful TV experience. Good eh? Welcome to Trumper Trombone. So, a wild conspiracy theory claims Jeff Bezos was replaced by aliens after his launch with Blue Origin over the course of the week. The Amazon founder and world's richest person took off from a desert site in West Texas, the US on board uh, the new Shepard designed by the company. Bezos was joined by his brother Mark, Wally Funk, an 82-year-old pilot, 
you know, let's hope he didn't have the whole issue where you have to get up in the night and go to the bathroom. I mean, I, I mean, I'm having that trouble at 44. Just imagine an 82-year-old stuck in a in a very small cockpit, not being able to pee. I mean, adult diapers. Maybe an astronaut adult diaper is what's needed there. Um, Oliver Derman, an 18-year-old, joined as well. Student. They travelled to the edge of space on the 52nd anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. This is after a couple of weeks of Richard Branson, uh, his Virgin Galactic uh, craft, went on the edge of space as well. He landed in the desert after the 11-minute flight, but some Twitter users do not believe it was him who returned. Could it be Dr. Evil? Were there sharks with frigging laser beams attached to the rocket? Are we certain that an alien body snatcher didn't replace Jeff Bezos when he left the planet? I'll probably disappear after tweeting this, but Bezos's rocket trip was designed to replace him in orbit with a lizard alien doppelganger of Bezos another added. The real Bezos is headed out of the solar system at the moment. You know, you'd never get him back within two days of Amazon Prime, would you? I mean, that would be a speedy delivery. I mean, this all sounds a little bit like the Paul McCartney killed in a car crash 1966 story replaced with an imposter. But to be frank, by the looks of him, Bezos could have been replaced by an alien at birth. And bemused Twitter users have been left in hysterics after spotting similarities between Austin Powers' penis-shaped rocket and Jeff Bezos's new shepherd. I want to put a shepherd crook around my uh, ding-dong. In the American spy action comedy film Austin Powers, played by Mike Myers, he battles against his nemesis aboard Jeff Bezos, looked look-alike, named Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil is famed for his flagship rocket, which he uses to try and achieve world domination. Unfortunately for him, it's shaped exactly like a penis, and the internet jokers were quick to draw similarities to Bezos's penis-shaped phallic object. The Amazon billionaire jetted off in the groundbreaking first crewed sh- uh, flight of a ship making historic launch. But all eagle-eyed social media users could talk about was the uncanny resemblance about the spacecraft had to the me- male member and Dr. Evil's contraption. Um, so, I mean, if you had a penis-shaped rocket with friggin' lasers on it, it would be perfect for a quick laser-focused vasectomy. One of our favourite topics in the show is Bigfoot Squasquatch. Conspiracy theorists are convinced Bigfoot has been spotted crossing a river with new footage showing a large brown figure next to the water and apparently carrying a baby. The video has gone viral on YouTube with over 150,000 views as debate rages over whether it's really the ape-like creature that the legend says inhabits forests in North America. The clip was sent to the Rocky Mountain Sasquatch organization. I need to become a member of that, I think. Uh, I'm certainly hairy enough and a mythical beast too. It was submitted by Eddie V, who said that his cousin was kayaking at the time when he saw the mysterious figure. Not sure what it was, but I sent it to a few people to see what they say. Uh, some say it's Bigfoot carrying a baby Bigfoot. Others say it's Bigfoot carrying a deer. Looking at the video of a large brown figure can be seen and it moves very quickly with a smaller shape next to it. The footage is not clear, as with all these things, Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, all of it. Uh, and some viewers reckon it could just be a rather big hairy human being. I mean, a big question that comes to my rather curious mind is I know, according to the book, French children do not throw food. But how about Bigfoot babies? Maybe they start throwing their bones out of the crib. So sadly, I think I'm going to be trolling through maybe 500 emails uh, from one of my former butler friends who decided to do reply all uh, on the uh, intranet butler mailing system. 
So I'm listening and uh, and watching and viewing uh, people replying, uh, doing video messages, all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, replying to this chap who's leaving the estate he's been working at for about 20 years. And they keep coming in. I thought five would be enough. But now I have 75 people have messaged, good luck to Trevor in his new pursuits. Uh, I think he's buying a sailing boat and he's going to go sailing around the Caribbean or something along those lines. But I have to trawl through all of those. You know, he's finally uh, hanging up his uh, morning suit and his iron and his uh, and his special polisher rag, his polishing chamois uh, to go on a trip around the Caribbean with his new yacht. So anyway, it's very very tiresome indeed. Uh, congratulations to my dear grandmama who had a pacemaker fit, and she's ninety two years old, and she had a pacemaker fitted, and she's doing rather well. So lots of love to her. Uh, love going out to her. Thank you very much for all of you. Um, you know, you're keeping me. You know, I'm known as Mustafa Bite. Um, you know, across many areas, probably in Turkey, uh, and then I'm very big in Thailand still. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of the uh, butler uh, butler equivalent to a lady boy out there, I think, and um, that's where I'm. Uh, you know, that's where I have my biggest audience. But I'm back in the UK charts as well. So thank you very much for uh, listening and uh, enjoying the. Uh, nonsensical ramblings of a rather deranged butler uh, in the UK. Lovely to be back in the charts there. Thank you very much for that. And uh, there's a couple of ways of listening, uh, audio versions across all the platforms, uh, the usual suspects, Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, TuneIn, all of those, and many, many more as well. I think I actually did um, put my ear to a wormhole uh, the other day. And I, and I heard the worms scurrying around. There might have been a badger in there as well. Brought the badgers in there as well with the worms. Maybe it's consuming them. But I think before the worms were consumed by Brock the badger, they were listening to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. So thank you, badgers. Thank you, worms. Uh, and all of the listeners out there. And there's a musical, if you like a little bit of a jig, a little bit of a dance. I mean, everybody's going out there to nightclubs as well. Uh, with or without their vaccine passports at the moment, but they should have their vaccine. If, if you're getting your glow stick out, you should have a vaccine passport. That's my viewpoint. Many people disagree, and you're entitled to your opinion. Um, but if you like a bit of a dance, if you like a little bit of a Friday night disco feel, then Chappie's uh, Musical Emporium, the Butler Emporium, is on Spotify, where I have a little playlist. And this week, we have plenty of Beatles. You know, everything. everything's linked here. It's, it's very carefully thread through and uh and uh, everything has a a link and a theme to it and it wasn't put together i wasn't like you know pulling pieces of paper over tom Bowler and saying yeah um, i think i'm gonna have uh chawamba wamba now followed by um maybe a little bit of madonna no it's carefully planned so there is a theme running through the topics on the show and the music there is a little bit of a link there is uh some unison to it There is some symmetry to it. But this week, we have some of the Verve. We have the Mavericks. We have the Beatles. uh, We have some Cindy Lauper, some Bread. We have some Janet Jackson. We have the Farm. We have the Divinals. uh, And many, many more. Red Hot Chili Peppers as well. If you want a little bit of spice in your life, like I might do tonight with my curry. That's the uh, Musical Emporium edition. So a poem echoing July, the Shepherd's Calendar. 
Daughter of a pastoral smells and sights and sultry days and dewy nights, July resumes her yearly place, where her milking maiden face, ruddy and tanned yet sweet to view, when everybody's veil of dew and wraps it round her looks that smiles, her lovely rest to daily toils, we last month's closing scenes and dins, her sultry beaming birth begins. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I will be back again, God willing, tomorrow. Uh, maybe after eating a shed load of uh, Indian food, uh, Shetnamakan, beautiful biryani, butter chicken biryani, uh, if you want that, uh, soaked up with some lovely, delicious naan bread as well. See you tomorrow. Cheerio.